watching prohibition fall down. What is up, guys? Bro talk. I don't know. On the weekend? Is it Christmas yet? I don't know, man. What day is it? It's Saturday. I like that. I just told <laughs> it's Santa's, not Christmas yet. Santa be coming with all kinds of grow gear, man. Oh, well, let's get into it. I just took a huge hit, and then we're going to get <clears throat> more of that going on for sure. You guys get elevated for today's show. Ivory roll joint, hit your bones, whatever you need to do, because we're going to talk about, let me give you a little show preview, a little bit of transplanting and flower. What? <laughs> Low humidity. <laughs> In the desert, Jim Riggin. I call it Jim Riggin because that was my dad's name. And people would be like, that looks like that's Jim Rigged because he'd rig a lot of shit. Jim Riggin, a custom fit drain area for your grow. Does he uh, know well, Jerry at least, man? Does he know what's Jerry? That? Jerry Riggin. Man, that's what I call it, man. <clears throat> no, no, we changed it to Jim Riggin. He's pretty Deal. good at it. Deal. Still, it still is. And uh, growing in a small tent, much more. Uh, we're going to try and get through nine Grow Talk questions, guys. Get your Grow Talk up over to grows.com under growing and we will get it on the show. All right, let's do it. All right. Before we get started, don't forget about the DGC outlet is live and active with everything from Kush cards to hide your stash in your wallet to uh, I got the stick packs of recharge over there now. I had to bump them up to, to, to the three dollar. That's not a hot sale right now. Uh, but it, you members get 30% off the whole DGC outlet. If you are a member and you need that coupon code, just hit me up from the site under contact. There's honey badgers, DGC hats, one hitters, soon bamboo, bamboo, I call them cutting boards, bamboo what, like trays for uh, rolling, uh, rolling trays. trays. Man, maybe rolling trays. Yeah, they'll be, they'll, be, they'll be having a little DGC logo on them uh, and more to come in the future, guys. And if you want to get that action on a 30% off, become a member, man. I told you guys I'd give a quick member update on Grow Talks. Uh, so here, here it is. As far as in the first, what do they say in business, Scotty? Quarter? First, like the quarter. first quarter. Q1, sir. Wow, you're getting technical here. How, a quarter is four months, no? Whoa, hang on a second, brother. A quarter is either seven grams or three months, man. <laughs> I was hoping it was four months, but regardless, <laughs> in the beginning of 2019, uh, we're going to get the three SK400s that are being upgraded to 402s. You can check them out if you're watching the video show. These are the ones that I ran. This is a post here from 2016. Soup has them hanging up in his garden. He's yep. throwing the dang with them. Now we're going to get them upgraded with some new diodes and get them out to the crew, as well as Colby's coming in studio soon to show off his large machine. And we're going to be hooking up the smaller machine, the Extract Craft Turbo. Yes. As a giveaway as well to members. And don't forget, membership has its benefit, guys. There's a link here. It's $10 a month. You can go sign up, cancel anytime, and just help support this. Listener, support it. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right, let's see who's growing the dank. Dudegrows.com. Yeah. The latest, man. You guys, I'm looking over there first. I also check hashtag Dudegrow show on IG. But Dudegrows.com, both these nugs coming in, man, looking good. This is what Christmas harvest. All right. By highest. Farms. Hang on. Do and, you guys remember Christmas, bud? Like way back in the day when like, uh, I guess it was done in Mexico or something like that. But back in the early 90s, the Mexican reg would come up. And the only time you actually got green bud was about Christmas time. You know I mean? It was the only time it was not brown. I'm too distracted by highest farms. Buds Gorgeous. Look at the second one down. That is like, that's like you give that for Valentine's Day with the purple. So we got this one up to Scotty and Grew and the rest of the DGC family. Just thought I'd share some Christmas bud horn. These are good, man. Short and sweet. These girls are on day 51 and will be harvested over the next few weeks. So Merry Christmas to me. Harvest during Christmas. I like it. Mm -hmm. wonder if that was planned out. So, so he's rocking DNA genetic strawberry banana. And he goes, smells like pink bubble gum. Second one is forbidden fruit. Which I like that pick, man. Smells like fermenting grapefruit. He's pretty good with his, uh, you know, the smell. The smell. It's sometimes hard to come up with different descriptions. For me, at least. I got to go to sommelier, sommelier school. You know, I was talking to somebody. I think it was Odie Diesel was teaching me a, a couple things about it. And I, I, maybe I'm wrong. But I remember we were talking just about different things crossed with everything. And uh, I remember the bubblegum uh, terpene, I'll say. I'll try to try to be fancy here. But was was really prevalent. and almost took over <coughs> everything else. Anything you cross with Bubble gum. You could always smell the bubble gum in it. <laughs> we goes the third picture is green crack. It smells like green crack. LOL, no other way to describe it. What the hell would green crack smell like? I don't uh, That's when you I just got to make shit so. up. <laughs> All right, man. Looking good, dude. Looking good. We got one more here from Rock Creek. Or no, this is called Rock Creek Cherry from Maryland Masher. Yeah. 
This bud looks solid. It goes some DG or some DC bread, Rock Creek cherry, wild cherry cookies by Seattle Soda, um, by 720 Genetics and grown by me. It's cocoa soil blend. He's using uh, amendments thrown in, Bokashi brand. Recharge Biocozyme. Haven't heard of a good old Biocozyme in a while. That's an enzyme from Grow More. Excellent. Uh, Real, what, what he's doing, though, he's getting, he really got his microbes on point there. The Biocozyme helps uh, uh, kind of lower the energy it takes for microbes to complete their like metabolic process, which in turn is feeding your plant faster. God damn, <clears throat> this boy good. The boy good. I'd say it's like the difference maybe between like having a, a, a vitamin or no, I was going to use a bad analogy of having the vitamin or using food to get a bit, but explain it's to me why we got the Bokashi in here. It's Bokashi brand. It's wait, it's the difference between uh, trying to eat just a plain piece of calcium to try and get calcium into your body, which I mean, or, don't, don't do that or mainline or, or eating like an orange or something I'm or, say, or for, for vitamin C. Like it, it's a, the difference between just raw vitamin C and getting it completely bioavailable from an orange. Let's like say it's the difference between eating a raw. Let's think about this, man. Like a raw, <laughs> a raw potato or a cooked potato. It's a hell of a lot easier to digest a cooked potato. There we go. I like all the analogies. Let me come up with a car one here. No, what's up? Real quick with a Bokashi brand that he's mixing here. Do you guys got an angle on that? Yeah, I don't. I'm not. Mm. I've never made it myself, but that is super microbe rich. What he's doing, it's like a, a compost type of thing, Bokashi compost, and he's just letting a lot of natural microbes grow. So he's going to get a super diverse amount of microbes. So let's just go over what he's doing. He's got the diversity in the Bokashi, and he's he, getting uh, there are different types of uh, microbes. Bokashi has done. It's a wet compost, mm -hmm. so it's anaerobic, and they're uh, facilitating anaerobes that are in there. Beautiful. Um, so it's a whole different range of microbes than you get as the normal ones that persist in soil environments are aerobic microbes where they need air, and they need the, like— yeah, air in the soil for yep. them to operate. So he's got yeah, the right. anaerobic in Bokashi, the aerobic with the recharge, and then he's got biocozyme that's lowering the energy needed to pull nutrition out of out of whatever they're solubilizing. The idea behind bacteria is they're taking uh, nutrients that are locked up in things like rock and in the soil, and, and they're solubilizing them. So think about melting rock. Yeah, just diversity overall is, uh, I mean, there's a lot of micro products out there, but they're, I, if, the, if you have the means, I mean, I definitely run M2. I mean, recharge Mammoth P, and then sometimes I'll add in some other inoculants I come across. But really good. Digging it. Beautiful. That's, what, that's that how you frost. get those flowers, man. That's how you get the attributes. I've seen the difference in flower when you add microbes. And you can see it. You can taste it. Yeah. Uh, it's up in my grow. Coming soon. I'm getting excited. Agreed. Agreed, man. Beautiful pick. <clears throat> I just want to give a, a tip here. Walking around the Emerald Cup, uh, clones were available. And in a multitude of places, we're looking at here just a tray of what looks to be dosey doughs and PCG cookies. And uh, Sue picked up some clones, as well as uh, might just Mike, your buddy, picked up some clones sure. there. Um, they looked great. They were a pretty good deal, I think, 10 to $15. I'm not against that for some good genetics. Hey, but make I, sure – what's up? Yeah, I just wanted to say it was the first time I've ever seen tissue-cultured clones available. I thought that was, that was pretty very cool. interesting. So they would, didn't come the classic clone way. They were cell, cellularly, wow, that's a hard word for me, man, uh, reproduced in a, in a, a laboratory. And in the, a test that, tube. that was a specific clone place there because I saw a lot of clones with people walking around, right. especially trying to hand out recharge stick packs to people. Those mm -hmm. were good people to hand them to. Uh, there were a lot of just like lanky falling over clones from places right. where you could tell that's just uh, a normal technique for cloning. And then it was dark heart genetics or dark. Yeah, dark Is that heart. who it was? Yeah. Okay. Dark heart was who it was that had the, the tissue cultured clones that when you get a tissue culture clones, you don't have to worry as much about the just pest management and IPM scheme. Sure. That the place you got it from is running because just inherently in doing tissue culture, you come out with a clean, uh, new propagate. Yeah, but when you're picking up those clones in Rockwell, most all the clones are in like two-inch Rockwell or whatever, sure. which I'm fine with. That goes into any system typically or planet and cocoa, whatever you want to do. But that's the size of a plant. When you have a clone, you can make up like a – I don't know, a two-gallon pitcher or a five-gallon bucket and completely submerge a clone in, in a solution of some type of IPM, whether it be a neem dunk or whether you're doing a dunk into – I'm trying to think what else would be a good a good overall dunk. Sure. So, or as a direct, but it's order you're just spraying. It's a way to look at the roots, treat the whole plant, but quarantine it still 
for a little bit. Don't just bring it and put it in your garden and scope it, all that. Be very careful. So that's such, so easier said than done. I mean, to quarantine a plant means you have to build a separate grow for it, right? Well, when it's that size. I mean, if we're talking about a plant that's six inches tall, maybe, uh, you, you, all you need is a small, even an in, incandescent bulb, a window for a while, just something to keep an eye on it. Uh, again, if you have a 30 times scope, go not only on the leaves, do the stem and do the roots if there's any roots and scope the media. Scope everything you can and look around and make sure you're 100% good. And when you're confident, then bring it in. It doesn't have to be a full week, Scotty. I hear you. If you're confident in your ability to, 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 to say this plant has passed, my pest, you know, inspection. Sure. Then go ahead, but be very careful. And what are we looking for? We're looking for a sign, little bumps or signs of, you know, anything. Eggs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, anything, anything crawling. Anything. It doesn't any have bump, to be crawling. Any. Could be eggs. They could have just. And they, another thing that was kind of interesting is there was a decent amount of, of uh, entries that got disqualified for pesticide you know, violation of pesticide regulation, and these systemic pesticides. If they take a systemic pesticide and dip these clones in there, man, it can last for a very long time, man. So. Some of, the, you know, some of these last months and months. Because a lot of people don't understand that half-life doesn't mean that over, if it has like a half-life of 14 days, they think that it's just gone after 14 days. That's, that means half of the original uh, concentration is there in 14 days. So to get rid of it completely, you have to go through like 20 half-lives right. for it to be gone. And e- even then, there's still <coughs> half, 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 half yep. of what was there originally. So there's fragments there. And I mean, some, like in California, they're testing heavy for pesticides. The Emerald right. Cup was really testing. I want to say the Emerald Cup took everything to a parts per billion uh, on his pesticide testing they were doing. And, and at that point, no matter how many half-lives you go through, if you're using something systemic, and it's and it has a long half-life, it's going to persist in there and test at a parts per billion level. Sure, sure. So they had to have all, all natural IPM to participate. I don't Pretty know cool. about the, I don't want to get into it, but I'm not, uh, I'm kind of ignorant enough for me to say respect on some of the testing and parts per billion. I guess you are right. Testing for. Yeah. I almost felt dumb saying we it got because... livers, man. Shit. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen, I've seen uh, like concentrate testers, like legitimately use an espresso machine to in their testing process. So Ooh, technical. <laughs> right, I'm taking it to the growth talk here. Do grows.com. First one transplanting in flower. Okay. And this is in from EI Kerg, C-A-R-G. I'll go with Kerg. Kerg. Just like the commercials up here for, it's not Mazda. Mazda. <laughs> One of the Canadians got a bunch of Mazdas. What the hell's a Mazda? No. What do I know? All right. Hi, DGC. Love you people. Yeah, you people. So question. <laughs> what reasons do you have for not transplanting past two weeks in flower cycle? Reason why I ask? Sorry in advance for the length. So I have a few harvests under my belt now. Some amazing, thanks to the Dude Grow show and crew. And he goes, some, yeah, grow rare, I'm sure. This is, I always like to experiment with different kinds of organic growing. I do this as a hobby and hopefully get some smokable smoke. This time around, got some Apollo Haze. Hang on, smokable smoke should be the name of our next band. <laughs> I like it. Get started her from seed peat puck and then transplanted into a five-gal plastic bucket with hella drainage holes drilled into the bottom. Um, and it goes into this big box store stuff called Euro Scraps. I guess it's just like got one and bought his own container. Because first time I used it, I thought I'd see what's up. Because here's the ingredients, what he's using. Um, processed forest products, which could be pretty vague, I believe. Sawdust, basically decomposed sawdust. Uh, core, cocoa, uh, perlite, compost, it goes in plant materials and food waste. All right, not a lot, a ton of details in his ingredients there. Um, he's using, so he's making his own mix here. He added Uprising Grow, that's an amendment, and he's using Recharge, of course. Uprising grows like Guano's, it's a, a powder, I believe, from Aurora. He's got some gypsum in there, uh, and then he says during veg, he took advantage of closet cases. Oh, he got the two 100-watt closet cases. They're doing a bundle package from Spectre King. He says, thanks, dude, for the coupon code. So, and then he's going to flower, 12-12, and he goes, day 10, flower, shit hit the fan. Day 10 into flower. That's like when you don't want anything, you know, no hiccups. No, you want just, to be ch- yeah, the, the idea behind these plants is you got to keep them super happy and healthy, almost like a performance athlete, you know, so an Olympian. You can't have them getting sick the week before, you know, or pulling a hamstring the week before, man. Uh yeah, this is this is trouble. Oh, dude, he gets to day twenty and he says eighty percent of remaining fan leaves dead. 
Yeah. Uh, that's what I just said. I mean, what, what does a shriveled stalk look like? What are we talking about there? Man, it's, but what's causing that? I mean, the only thing that would cause that would be lack of moisture. And either you're not watering or there's something that's blocking the roots from absorbing moisture. So you got to really try to figure that out. Or, or the roots are just completely moist. And I mean, you can have the same, the easiest way to kill a plant is by overwatering. So let's go over that. Just we, from a beginner, actually any plant, not just cannabis. Yeah. I think it's way mixed, to kill is overwatering. These are living things. They need, uh, as much as they need water, and just like we need water, we need oxygen. You throw me in the bottom of a pool, I'm not going to live too long. This so, mix could have been heavy too, man, and yeah. hot. And once he says 80% of his leaves were dying off, and then day 27, he did the transplant. And if he's just doing this for fun <laughs> to learn for the challenge of it, I'm not against that, but I would never transplant anything. You know, maybe one week in the flower if I had to, and I could do it without disturbing the plant. Like I was transplanting like a surgeon, like just being so careful. What's the point of um, transplanting if the roots aren't growing? I don't know. He, he said it bounced back by day 34. Keep in mind, if you're still growing this, that when you do this in flower, it's hard to gauge your flower schedule too, because he's saying day 34 it bounced back. You know, when you have a hiccup in the grow, let's say even, I don't know, Scotty, it could be a power outage because of a hurricane, a major bug infestation. Sometimes I would add days on to the bloom cycle. Uh, but I, overall, I'd recommend that you never transplant and bloom like this. And if you run into this much trouble, I'm, I'm pointing a finger at this mix and you guys are saying maybe potentially some, some heavy, not enough oxygen and overwatering as well. And, um, but it can certainly cause root problems. I mean, this seems yeah. like it all starts in the roots here. Either, you know, there's complete, uh, we're making a complete mistake with watering. And what I mean from that is you got to go from wet to dry. You can't leave the plants wet all the time. Uh, but if that does happen, it, it pathogens, you know, fungus, uh, uh, anaerobic bacteria uh, come and attack the roots. And then they'll just make the roots so they don't work. So, and just to answer his original question, you don't transplant in flower because one, the hormonal changes that go on with the plant when you switch to flower, uh, it's switching and gearing away from vegetative. It's mainly trying to drive vegetative growth and root development under the ground and kind of growing pretty evenly like that. But when you switch to flower, it kind of stops that root development and focuses uh, most of its energy towards growing buds on the plant because so, the plant's trying to reproduce. So it's trying to make as many flowers as it can to try and catch some pollen. Mm -hmm. um, Did we do a song called I Like Big Buds and I Cannot Lie? <laughs> I'm not sure. So re really, you want your plant to be rooted out in the pot it's in and then go to flowers so that it, it has all the roots it, it can have to support more flower growth at the top because more roots, more fruits. So More dank, more, more elevation. Yeah. Absolutely makes sense, though. All right, man, I'm going to tell you to pulse your grow. This is the environmental monitor I've been talking about, guys. Getpulse.co. It has already helped me multiple times in my grow. I got I haven't, I haven't hooked up the auto drain on my dehumidifier, Scotty, where you just have the drain off the back. Right. Kind of got to elevate it off the ground a little and then have it maybe go to a pump. So when it gets full, sometimes I forget, but my phone will let me know because I got all the parameters set in this monitor. It's going to hit me if my humidity is out of check. It's going to hit me if my light doesn't come on. It's going to hit me if my light cycle gets interrupted. It's going cool. to hit me, meaning it just gives you a notification for all the parameters you can set. You can set parameters for BPD notifications right. that are not set. And just if you're a grower, this is a, this is your grow insurance. I've, you know, it's one of those things once you get it, it's like, why? I, how did I work without this? And uh, going back and looking at the whole thing, too, if you have a dope grow and you want to go back, you can, I don't know how many, I think you can go back two grows of just data to the minute throughout the whole growth cycle of your growth. So really cool shit. Get pulse.co guys. Coupon code dude. Yeah. No coupon code Scotty anywhere, okay? <laughs> hey, they came on and did a great job of explaining uh, the value or, or why you want to really pay attention to your environment and really what vapor pressure deficit is. Uh, really cool. If, if you haven't checked it out, uh, go over to dudegrows.com and put VPD into the search box. Check that out. Yeah, I'll put it over also on YouTube, guys, under the uh, the uh, interviews. The, put it up there as well. And the interviews playlist. You with the playlist, man. We actually got something done this year, man. I like it. We're going to overcome humidity in the desert. Overcoming cocoa tent. Over, <laughs> man, cocoa tent grow. Overcoming low humidity in desert environment from AZ Cushman. I'll presume he's in Arizona. Deal. Yes. It was a boys from the land of 120 degrees in the summer. All right. That's, you know, you pick and choose where you want to live sometimes. 
Love the show. Waited for years for this kind of movement. Growing up in the Northwest Washington state, I was introduced to cannabis at a young age and love growing the ladies. Yes. Ironically enough, five years after I moved from Washington, cannabis became legal. And for work, I moved to a medical only state in the Southwest. Interesting. So here she goes. My latest is the first run at the Holy Grail Kush. <clears throat> He's using a Botanicare cocoa grow brick. That's just a compressed little brick of cocoa. Uh-huh. Um, just get some clay pebbles and perlite, basic inert mix. Like almost like hydroponically growing. Uh, pretty some much type is. of yeah. vivid grow LED. He's got humidity at 50%. Botanicare kind newts, Fulvix molasses, all that sounds dandy. He waters two times a day to run off. And every third feeding, EPH is a 6.0 RO with some cow mag and, and, and he's a little flush basically um, at, at every third feeding, which is a good thing to do. Half Botanicare. When you do that flush, I got to back up here. When you're doing TZZ newts two times, third day kind of a flush, that's when you want to use a product like Recharge. That's when I would want to be using inoculant. I say my once a week treat. So, I just want to, I feel guilty as a grower just mixing in, doing, I shouldn't say guilty, but when I do a plain water, I'm like, dude, there's got to be something I can put in here that these these, these ladies would like. So yeah, I'd say that's, go ahead. Absolutely. I, I like to throw a little bit, bit of bacteria in there. Uh, first off, there's kelp in there, which is always good to add into the mix. It's loaded with micronutrients, but just a little bit of bacteria in there to eat up those extra salts, man, to, to, to make some of, some of those uh, plant available instead of just throwing them out. Yeah. So, I mean, it goes, the main challenge in this grow is that the outside air is usually 10 to 16% relative humidity. Reminds me of sometimes in Colorado, yeah. uh, which is challenging. So I'm looking at a picture there. He's got the right idea. He goes, thus the pool and the rags. In this picture, guys, he has all the ladies like sitting in a kiddie pool, but they're they're up on little, little bricks. So mm-hmm. they're not sitting in the water. And then water under them. And then just some shirts or rags that, that are looped over the side of the kiddie pool to create you know, a decent amount of humidity, you know, on a creative stance. I like this. Scotty, I'm down. If Add a fan <laughs> to it, man. And let a fan <clears throat> blow over that t-shirt and you, you got something almost close to a wet wall, you know? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, some of the humidifiers can get pretty expensive for real deal one. When you get into an official like grow room humidifier that can do a sizable space, those run up to like start at $300 or something. Right. But man, I think you got the right idea. It goes, I'm thinking of adding CO2 as inexpensively as possible. What do you recommend as a budget to strap tent grower? Hmm. CO2. I know that everybody plays with the exhale bags and whatnot. I just like mm, to go get not everybody. So I mean, or people will play with them, and they'll up, you know, it just doesn't seem like I'm guilty. I've played with them. Did it up up your CO2 hundreds and hundreds of parts per million the way the way I want it? You know, double or triple it. Uh, if you're not exhausting your space, the exhale bags will add CO2 value. Um, I, you know, I put it in a tote. I took it and put it in like a storage tote that was, I don't know how many cubic feet, decent size, <clears throat> and put my CO2 meter in there. My CO2 meter went to up over a thousand. Am I growing in a storage tote, sir? No, this is a tent. <laughs> so for small spaces, cabinets, smaller tents, I'm for it. But I like, I, I'm going to go above that and say, if you have the means, uh, the little keg CO2 bottles, depending on the size of your tent, like uh, it's Two not pound, a 20 pounder. Or what are they, four pounds or something like that? Yeah, man. The, those guys could do good in a, like a two by, did he give his tent size here? Um, I don't think gotta he did. got to be a three by three. There's a mini pool in there. <laughs> yeah. Those little bottles can last oh. a long time. Um, and you don't on a timer or just using like a regulator with a timer and opening the, you can play with how much you, you let the flow of CO2 out. I'm really surprised up here, Scotty, my 20 pound tank is going on lasting me a month now. Yeah. Uh, and they're not that expensive. You can usually get them right at the grocery store, store. And I say not that expensive in America. They're not that expensive, but I think it cost me $150 deposit for the tank or, or to buy the tank. And you know, I'm really spoiled here. Way to shout out to way to grow. They have $7 CO2 refills as a loss. See if there's a brewery supply store potentially by mm-hmm. you somewhere as well. They might have an angle on smaller refills where you don't have to go to a gas supplier if True. you don't want to. True. So I mean, keep that. you can't just go to the liquor store. And they'll, in Colorado, yeah, we're gonna, spoiled yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we they got, got tanks at the liquor store here. <laughs> right. So. God, I get too many things done at once, man. Blowing my mind. Yeah. Getting, 
Getting some fine ales. Yeah, so you're taking nitrous there too. I like those guys, man. You want the food grade? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I wanted to show some peeps out there the, um, at the Emerald Cup. We still got some pictures speckled through here. The Forever Flowering Kush Cottage, man. This is uh, <laughs> Scotty hanging out. We walk by this thing. The Kush Cottage guys this is this. Is cool. It's like I don't. I don't know how long and why, but it's on a single axle trail. It looks like it's about 20 feet long, maybe about 10 feet wide. I think it's got to be eight. I think uh, if it's on a trail, aren't trailers eight foot wide? No, they can be wider than that. And, but and how right. wide is a road? The whole reason it's, it's on a trailer, too, is really cool. It's to avoid any zoning mm-hmm. regulations because they're actually in California really stringent on their zoning regulations for outdoor greenhouses. Right. To where this is falls under the th- same uh, like guidelines. It's like a tiny house. To where it doesn't have to have any zoning regulations or anything at all. How the hell do they make tiny houses not have any zoning regulation? I'm going to be pissed if my neighbor puts 30 <laughs> tiny houses in next door. I dig that's a really, even if you're not doing that and you just want a cool thing in your backyard, this is light and depth too. So we teach people like, look, if you can grow in this thing, I think retails at $12,000. But if you're operating, it has a shit ton of environmental controls, intake, outtakes, and some cool yeah. features on it, as well as I think a, a little swamp cooler that's included. Yep. So if you look at buying, let's say, three to four light setup as well as an AC environmental controls sure. build a grow room this it makes sense man if I had a place to put this I would be uh shit man maybe I just don't park anything in my driveway but the Kush cottage it probably pay for <laughs> itself in electrical savings in the first year right in all honesty I'm gonna take this to the car alarm place in South Florida you'll hook me up with security man <laughs> I want the best anyway it was really cool to see I jumped up in that thing at the cup and it's uh awesome impressed. very cool all right, you want to let's talk about custom fit flood table Ooh. for odd size tent. All right, all right. What do you have an odd size tent, man? This is by Growing Pain Five. Deal. I can help. Says, <clears throat> Ooh, excuse me. Says, what up, DGC? I'm working on getting my setup to run more efficiently, and wanted to see if you have any knowledge to impart. During my final flush this last round, I realized that I can improve my I can improve my flush procedure. Um, if I use a flood table instead of individual saucers, this makes total sense. So we're looking at a picture here, guys, and he's got uh, all this plants on saucers. And when you water and you water through and flush, you have to go around and drain each saucer or shot back each saucer or whatever you're doing, where it'd be nice if they all drained in the same container. Sure. Uh, this goes, I've been tossed around the idea of making a custom fit fiberglass tray but that seems like a lot of work for a simple flat tray. The other option I'm considering is getting a flood table and resizing it using 3M's 5200 marine sealant. Ooh, 5200. Um, yeah. Yes, the 5200. I know where you'd go with this, I think, Scotty. I'm going to say simply, if you want to build a flood tray, I mean, get some two buys and some pond liner. Yeah. I do is like that, is that, it that simple or no? Can I use 5200 to seal it? Because I love the way that stuff smells, man. <laughs> um, you're right. I mean, you could certainly build one of these. What do you you got to get a piece of plywood for the bottom. I get three quarter inch plywood and I actually see if I can find someone that does woodworking that can help me with a router to recess the, the drain a little bit um, so that you don't, because, but you can basically build one of these very simply just by going to Home Depot, getting a, a piece of plywood. They'll cut it for you to, for the, what is that 30 by 20 exactly where where you need it or how you need it um you can go by the uh what is it maybe two by fours you could probably use i don't even think you need anything more than that and then they either have pond liner or they'll have shower pan liner and that's what i used to use the pond liner's black is really easy to clean it looks good yeah, yeah, I'm totally. And if you get it built at a little bit of a slant, I don't know how fancy you want to get. Obviously, all the water is going to collect at one end. At that end, if you want to really pimp it out and not have enough, you know, say you're super busy, that's where you put your pump. Your your uh, I don't. What do they call those pumps? Like sump. the mini split. I know sump. there's sump more than a sump pump, but the ones that can like they can lift. They take the water up like up to 25, 50, 30 feet. Um, <clears throat> I've had one, Scotty. You've had one for when your mini split builds up its condensate. And then you it, it pumps it out, but a lot of options. But I would go with making something custom like that. I mean, I guess if you're really fancy and you can build shit with fiberglass and all that, you can go that route too. But it doesn't need to be that fancy. Yeah, I would say it doesn't need to be. You can do it in wood. It's the wood that makes it good. Like what you're thinking, though, man. Training when you've got a flush, uh, you, it's nice to have everything just going into one catch instead of separate sauces. It sure is, and that way you can test the parts. You can measure the runoff as well. See how much mm-hmm. progress you're making. Ooh, my float's got a little 
Oh, is that first big hit I took before the show? That's right. I was trying to be fancy and blow a big hit into the camera. I took so much of a hit, it made me get a little char, a little char on the throat. Oh, man, dude. Yeah, I still got that hack from Emerald Cup. I think it was the change in altitude. I'm sorry, the change in uh, uh, weather. You know, it was just really moist. And dude, what do you do, there. man? At events like that, peeps hanging around, hanging out, your joints everywhere, like the DGC Cup throwdown. And we've said before where some people said, man, I got sick because, you know, you're sharing too many J's or right. whatever. But when somebody's handing you a joint, are you are you really going to be that guy that goes, OK, yeah, yeah, hold on one sec. And then you put it like in your little joint receiver piece, your mouthpiece, and then take the it one, back. The one that like it'll hook up to a bong, too. It's like the silicone. There's a couple out there. Like, I guess you could. It's no. kind of smart. I get I think. sick. Fuck it. No, I want to hang out with people and smoke their joints. I mean, you're going to get looked at a little weird. <laughs> it's like the kid wearing rec specs playing soccer. <laughs> I just, just do the scientific inhale of it. All right, I'm going to tell you a little bit about BioBiz. That's what I'm using right now. The whole line, my friend, on uh, the Bloom Room looking fabulous. I'm still stoked because I do remember back at, was it the first DGC Cup we ever did? Cody came in with, yep. the, with the win and yep. he, he had some uh, something cheese, wasn't it? Uh, was it? Yeah, I can't remember which one it was. He had the granddaddy purple. Yeah, and the, the SFVOG and uh, oh. I thought it was GDP, no? What do I know? Death Maybe, Valley Cheese. Uh, Death, Death Valley, Valley Cheese. There we go. Good. DVC. He's got a memory GDP. like a steel box. Is that what they say? Steel trap? I don't know, sir. They say different huh. shit up in Canada, man. Mazda. So Activera for BioBiz, guys. This is derived from the aloe vera plant, if you're familiar with, has many uses. And also you're going to get here, you're going to get amino acids, you're going to get enzymes, and you're going to get, I heard from a little birdie, say, because they labeling shit, a uh, source of tricantinol as well. So this is a great additive that they have in their line. This is one of those products, like, if I want to take something from a line and say, hey, I know you got your own meat and potatoes. Check this out, though. The Activera uh, from BioBiz, I would recommend it. I'm using it now. And, I've no and it smells. When you open it up, I, uh, it passes my smell test. It smells like a, just a nice aloe. I'm going to get a hold of Chris over there and see if I can drink the shit, too. Oh, yeah. I drink most of this stuff, man. Aloe juice is good, man. It's good for your gut. So I haven't had any in a while. So I'm like, dude, if I could just take shots of the Activera and feed my plants, winning. Yeah, I mean, you can drink it. I didn't say you're not going to die, but you can. You do anything you want. Available at a fine hydroponic retailer near you or the internet. <laughs> nice. But al aloe vera, you ever seen people clone with aloe vera? Just they fillet it, they open it up, they get that juice and they clone with it? Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. That's why I, my aloe vera plant I have here is getting to be about a foot tall. The one I had to leave in Colorado was like two feet tall, but I'm going to be cloning with it as well. I mean, I've cloned with nothing before and did a, you know, 80% well, but I totally agree. I think my number one choice would be just grow an aloe vera plant. <coughs> nice. All right. Out of coast of what? Uh, I don't know. IBA. I've, I've when I I've used that or tried to use aloe vera before and got like probably seventy percent of them took and they sure. never looked like great doing it. When I when you use like a, an IBA like cloning solution with some light nutrition in there. I mean, you can make them just not skip a beat while you're cloning. I don't know, Gary. You can't talk about cloning because you talk too much about cloning. You, you're supposed to be doing cloning challenges. We never did, man. Ah, you're right. So I'll just smoke bong hits and try to say what. And I'll just still talk for. trash. I'm the only one that's got to grow. Well, I'm going to go walk into my grow right now, and maybe I'll do a, a think about cloning. I'm looking at what a ton of weed that I grew right now, actually. All right. All right. True, true. Yeah, we are in all smoking our harvest here, man. We did all grow. We just didn't talk about it a ton. I, have, I just lost half a dozen plants in my in my grow just because we don't talk about it all the time doesn't mean it's not happening bro all right hey no so, power and no heat will do that to your oh, grow man that was out of town. that was the thing that hurt my heart the most man was losing all my plants <laughs> why'd you just no no heat and no what water power no, yeah no power we just burn out a leg of power man mm. gotcha. all right I'm going to the coast of Maine, man. Stonington you, blend for you mass growers. Uh, fall uh, prohibition falling down out there on the East Coast. Yeah, and there's some good growers up in Maine. So this uh, East Coast will probably fall next. So we already have the whole Western seaboard. Is that what you call it? Cali, Portland, Washington, all legal. Love it. Sure. Uh, so we'll see. And then the whole East Coast will fall. And then what's left in the middle, we'll just have to squeeze, you know, squeeze into it. Anyway. Nobody lived there. <laughs> 
This is Bahydro Hippie. Have you guys ever used this stuff, the Stonington blend? I threw two clones into it out of the yard last year and never top dressed or fed it anything but water. I ended up with pretty nice plants, but I have never had an outdoor grow make it to harvest growing up in Florida. To quote Cypress Hill, cops, come and try and snatch my crops. Yeah. And then it goes, these pigs want to blow my house down. Oh, Dr. Green Thumb, bring it on. Well, YouTube will think it's Cypress Hill on Albana. So <laughs> that's how good I'll start getting. Anyway, this so is thanks. Cool stuff. Oh, he goes, he goes, the cops come and snatch my cops twice. Sorry. Damn. Damn, Damn man. My heart goes out for you. But hey, this looks like beautiful stuff. Let's just, like, you got the bag oh, up here. Well, he goes, thankfully, uh, they had no idea who planted them. So he's doing a little rogue grow. <laughs> nice. But now he's in legal mass, uh, mass of two shits. Okay. <laughs> This guy's funny as fuck. Come meet us, man. I like you already. He goes, my father-in-law grew a monster in the yard this year, so come spring, I'll be looking to do the same, but might want to make my own soil. Is the Stonington blend, I love the name of it, any good? This is, uh, we've talked about this before, guys. I do like this product. Let me tell you what's in it here. Uh, it Let's see what made... each one of these does, by the way, man. Do you mind if we talk about what each one of these ingredients is there for? Sure. Uh uh, okay, made with endo-mycorrhizal fungi. Okay, so mycorrhizae, and it, they could be growing mycorrhizae on roots and grinding up those roots and and uh, and using that as mycorrhizae. They could be taking a, what we do at Recharge, just take a lab grade, uh, or we, gr we grow it in a lab, I should say, so it's like a concentrated one. So there's a couple different types of ways to do that. Um, but mycorrhizae is good stuff. Mycorrhizae is only good stuff when you're not using a bunch of nutrients, though. As soon as you're using a bunch of nutrients, it pretty much uh, equalizes micro. It tells micro shuts it off anyway. Who uses a bunch of nutrients, bro? It half depends. strength, quarter strength. It bad. depends. Yeah. Usually, if you have a healthy rhizosphere and you're mending microbes, I'll be definitely lowering that. But let's go on here. It's got kelp in there. Micronutrients, like loaded with micronutrients, great micronutrients stuff. Micronutrients and potassium. Yep. Kelp, man, you guys got to be using some kelp. A lot of lines incorporate kelp if you're on a nutrient line, but got to be using kelp. Um, alfalfa. It's a natural source of tricantinol, which is a, a growth hormone, a also, growth promoter. Uh, pretty high in nitrogen and uh, enzymatically pretty active, too. Along with that fish bone meal right there, usually has a lot of nitrogen in it. Or, I mean, fish bone meal is usually like a 316 0. Did I have that wrong? I was thinking there was a high nitrogen. And fish bone meal. It's high potassium. Am I wrong on it's that? High potassium. I remember it was I high think I like that better than blood meal or like bone meal from a cow. I, mean, I don't know why. I like a fish bone meal. I feel more comfortable with it. Right, but aren't they each different? <laughs> I, th I thought one is uh, uh, blood meal is high in what? Do we remember? Uh, blood meal is nitrogen. Okay, that's what blood, I remember. Blood meal is just straight. Hey, and also if you have an outdoor garden somewhere and you're having problems with rabbits or deer, <laughs> yes. if you sprinkle that around the perimeter of your garden, it'll kind of keep them away because it just smells like kind of keep them away. There's just genocide <laughs> happening there, and they're like, "Whoa, I don't want to go there." Yeah, dry like death there. Yep, yep. All right, we've got worm castings, more microbes, nutrition. Uh, warm teas are always great. Micronutrition, not too, not too much nutrients in worm casting. So I'm just trying to get to yeah, where yeah, the yeah. microbes really are and where the microbes. Perlite is just for air. So those microbes can breathe. Dude, I, love, <laughs> I love this next one, dehydrated hen manure. Okay, not just chicken shit. This is hen manure. All right, man. So that's chicken manure. Chicken uh, shit is really hot. It's a loaded with nutrient. Um, I don't have a, I don't have a, an analysis of that, so I don't know. But that there's your macros are coming from that. What I don't want to say it's your, really hot. I used a product called Coop Poop, mm -hmm. and it was, it, it was uh, I don't know, in the, in the process that it was composted, I there think it's go. pretty important on how hot it is. Absolutely. How much it was but composted down. It's Fresh a three, chicken. It's a three two two. Generally. Oh, really? You composted? Composted. Okay, I know I've tried to use it uncomposted, and it's fucking hot. It'll burn uncomposted. And here's the base of the mix, which is a peat and a cocoa, common blend. Um, that's just what's, you know, that's going to be your most, your, your largest ingredient in there. And then the one that makes it unique here a little bit, probably being over in Maine, the enriched with lobster compost. Okay, but uh, lobster is loaded with that. Oh, God, it's, I missed the thing. Chitin. 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 Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so all these have a purpose, man. This looks like good stuff. 100%. This is the type of mix if I could get. I got to find what's on. Oh, I think there might be one close to me. I mean, what's on the coast of British Columbia mix, maybe? Uh, but I really like getting that chitin mixed in. 
into your mix and also in a sustainable way coming from something like a byproduct um, it can be a by chitin's also in the mix when a byproduct of like shrimping or shelling mm-hmm. shrimp yep. or any type of shellfish and i really like to see it in mixes keeping in mind how available is it i mean i'm not just taking like crumple up your lobster shells after you eat your lobster dinner i don't, know, I don't think that's going to become very plant available in our short cycle we have but I like to check it out. I want to talk to these guys sometime too, since prohibition's falling down out there on the eastern seaboard. Yeah, but that was a really cool conversation about soil because we're talking about uh, you know the macronutrients, the inorganic things, and the, and then how the and then the microbes that come and digest those and make them plant available. So it kind of tells the story of of how soil works just on that bag. Yeah, one thing I would add to this. Uh, if I have an enriched mix and you want to, we talked about in the prior grow talk question, get an enzyme. It's nice to, you know, brew an enzyme or get an enzyme. We talked about Growzyme earlier. There's a lot of enzyme products out there, but I like that when I have a pretty enriched mix. It seems to facilitate the process along. Yes, sir. I'd say get in touch with, if, if locally, man, I'd get in touch with Jeremy and see what he has. I know he's got shit like this. Build a soil, Jeremy. Oh, are you transitioning to my next shout out here? Did you see how smooth that was, sir? That was like setting me up, throwing me a softball. I've messed, I mess up analogies. And I've said, let me, hey, I'm going to throw you a curveball. Like, what are you talking about, man? Thanks, man. I did throw you softball. a curveball. But look, he's got a bundle like this, man. Yeah, look. this is a no-till bundle. I thought it was pretty cool. Buildasoil.com, uh, $70, make you holla here. This is, it, it comes with everything you need. To add to, I'll tell you what's in it. It's got the, the build, a, build a flower top dress, build a soil aloe vera powder, dried coconut, freeze-dried coconut, um, root-wise microbe complete. Um, he's got some phosphorus cover crop blend to put in there. Everything you're going to need. Ooh, he's going to get the barley straw. I like it. Uh, everything you're going to need uh, for 70 bucks to get like a no-till button going on, which I like the way he bundles things together. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Interesting. This isn't... This isn't- a little bit different or quite different than uh, that coast of Maine stuff. But, uh, man, this is kind of neat. I like this. Sometimes the other thing, though, just with – or he has other kits, guys, on Build a Soil. This reminds me of picking up uh, – if you just have access to the bales of peat, which a lot of people do, whether you're in a cannabis-friendly area or not, your harbor store or whatever, um, has a bale of peat that you can just add his packages to as well. So check him out, buildasoil.com. You were mentioning – um, one thing with mixing shit though, I like a pre-packaged bag sometime that's already mixed up at the exact right proportions. Mm-hmm. You do got to have, if you're mixing a whole bale, I mean, you either need a tarp in a living room, which most people have, or a garage. It can get a little, a little messy. Dude. You want to make sure you get that mixed really well. And, and, per- and so. Pete just straight off the bale like that and bricked up is really hydrophobic. And it's actually kind of hard to get it to, to absorb, wet. Yeah. To, to wet and absorb all the water. So that's a whole nother step. That you have to do because you need to get it it moist and not hydrophobic before you mix everything up because once you have it mixed and you try and water, you're just going to get dry pockets that are pretty much never going to get moisture to them. Yeah, and I mean, a, a soil mixer is a legitimate machine. When you go to these places and you see what a soil mixer look, looks like, you're like, holy shit, you guys invested in this thing. That's how you're able to put 15 or 18 ingredients in and get them evenly distributed throughout the soil. And I, yeah. I, I definitely like to get it from somewhere where I know that they're getting uh, each batch soil tested to know mm. pr- pretty much it, exactly that it is built with the right nutrition and proportions of everything. And it, I know like Je- the perfect. You know, soil. Jeremy's hitting that shit. I ran into Jeremy from Build a Soil at the Cup the first time, and um, yeah, he's a man of uh, some good intensity and yeah, a lot of preciseness in soil testing. You can actually send all your soil and shit to him too if you want to get it done and get a recommendation for your no-till mix of cool shit. It is true, though, man. The, the stuff, especially when you're dealing with these agricultural products like this, manure products, they will vary. You've got to really be on your toes when you run a company like this because that stuff will vary. You know, you could have something that sat out all winter or baked all summer that the guy's trying to pass off. So, yeah, good on Jeremy, man. All right, let's get another Grow Talk question here about recharge from Neb Clark, right. 840. <clears throat> Hello, in week six on Blackwater, this black Blackwater is like a return. That's like the water that goes from like your shower. Is that what he's talking about? You know what I mean? Gray water, black water. Yeah, gray like, water. I know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think black water is what from the toilet. <laughs> That's the real bad stuff. Bad. All right, he goes about to start flushing. Would you still use recharge at this time, or just water with my psycho flush, or just sugar and water? So psycho flush, you must be using psycho nutrients. Right. Um, and it goes, or just sugar and water. So at the flush, I'm going to exonate all that. I'm not going to use recharge. I'm not going to use sugar and water. Um, he's already using a flushing product. 
Psycho flush, the idea behind using a flushing product, guys, is it's like some people would tell me to flush with quarter strength nutrients. So when you're watering all that through, it can grab onto some of the like the what the ions or molecules, I can flush it through. If you're just pushing straight RO water water through for a flush, you're not gonna get and this all depends on what you're using for base nudes, of course, Scotty. Like yeah, if you're those, using them. Those flushing things, they they act like a pretty much like a chemical claw that goes in and pulls ah, off, I like pulls off ions claw. that are that are adsorbed to the soil molecules. Thank so, you, Guru. So they're stuck there with like an electrical charge and they can't come off. They're stuck on the e- outside either, of it. Either the plant takes them off or you use something like a flushing agent to be able to actually pull those off. I don't That's why you can sit there and, and run fifty gallons through a five gallon bucket. And it's still you still be getting runoff from it, oh, and man, not everything's it. flushed out. I'm not doing it anymore, man. I don't know if it's full on just the microbes. Uh, I do a pretty decent organic feeding or or synganic. I'm using you know synthetics. I'm I'm watering in at pretty low ppms with my microbes, and towards the end, I cut everything out. And I used to have to flush a lot harder, and I'm presuming it's just because. I have a more active rhizosphere. I'd assume, like on a five gallon plant, I used to want to push twenty gallons of water through right. the flush. Don't really do that anymore. Now I get like a gallon off it and then just go to plain water, plain tap water. Good to go. Yeah, because so. you don't have a ton left over in there. You've got a bunch of organics that are feeding. Think about trying to flush organics out. Go try to f- flush it out rock dust. God, when you say a ton left over, this is what I'm picturing. Visualization for your listeners. Like when you use the GH3 part back in the day mm. and then like the bottom of a fabric pot or your drain holes in a nursery <laughs> pot like got that salt. <laughs> yeah. Like it looks like you could take it off. And you're like, I haven't sure. had that that going on in, in ages so but uh, it's a natural thing for farmers and growers to err on the side you're like you know what don't you want to do you don't want to for a couple dollars starve your plants out of fertilizer so it's a natural thing to be like well i'll just give it a little more hey a little little you know, maybe yeah. it'll grow a little bit better and uh, yeah that's why i love that phrase less is more you really got to resist doing that you want to talk about growing in a small tent? Oh, yeah, and don't, cut out everything else, too. Like <laughs> that I was the longest answer to, to, to don't use recharge in your last week, wasn't it? Yes, don't use recharge <laughs> in your last week. Your last your last two weeks, man. I'm going to go up to mid-flower with any of my Yeah, I use it to, like, like week six, you know what I mean? Something like that, week six. Something, you know, when I want to start the – when I, well, yeah. Well, it's because just inherently in the, like, chemical makeup of most microbiology in the soil – they just in the way DNA is, uh, they inherently have a little bit of nitrogen in them. Sure. So that's why you just want to cut that out with two weeks to go. You're good. It's not. It's not a ton of nitrogen by any means, but it does make sense. That's why everything's always so nice and deep, beautiful green when you're using recharge. I'm gonna talk about Perps Tarps, man, because he's growing in a small tent. All right. So hey, yeah. DDC, I've been watching the show for the past few weeks after finding the show. I love the knowledge right. all you guys have. Me too, man. I appreciate it. It's not just us. And I like to say all you guys, these people in the comments, you people in the comments, you're <laughs> awesome. Appreciate the help. <laughs> because I'm learning much, so much from you guys. I love it. I have a question. He says, what with a smaller tent? We got a four by two by six. You follow me? Six foot hike and uh, two by four. Because I have a, the tent in a small spare bedroom. Okay. The question is, can I control the temps inside the bedroom as close as the tent temps? Because he goes, when I have the tent closed, I lose humidity and gain heat. There's no real room in a humidifier. Like, yeah, the tent has only got room for plants. You can't start putting, like, equipment in there. Sure. Um, big containers so, humidify, though. You know, if you're not constantly exhausting, running some nice big containers, just like that was the same idea with that kiddie pool. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so the more surface area you have that's moist— uh, yeah, the, the well, he's leaving gonna... his humidifier outside the tent, right? Okay. So in the small room. So he's like environmentally controlling the room the tent's in and just leaving the tent doors open about halfway. Sure. And he goes, is this okay or am I losing light by keeping the tent door open to maintain heat and humidity inside the tent? So basically he's using a smaller bedroom as like his, you know, his area to, to do this. I, it's not, it's totally fine. You're not going to lose a shit ton of light. Yeah, a little tent. bit. Those tents rely on a little bit on reflectivity. They've got those, you know, either white or silver walls and they're meant to really reflect the light. So you get a little bit of value out of it. But Guru, don't you lose a ton of light once it, once it hits the wall and reflects back you're talking fractions of, of what you're getting from, uh, from a direct hit, kind no? of it, if it's a completely if it's a hundred percent reflective environment you're not losing as, like a flat white wall or something as right? much in the bounce but just thinking about trying to control the the heat in in here i doesn't look like there's any exhaust from this tent 
So it's not really trying to like equalize to to the room. At I think all. he's just leaving the the doors open. True, but just just yeah, like just like a small uh, vent fan on on the top there, because you, you want to put it at the top so that it's pulling the hottest air out and sure. pulling it down to the room. Yes, yeah, maybe just like a four inch or something. You could, you could yeah homogenize the air in your room and your tent a little bit more to just keep it steadier instead of trying to control a really small environment. Sure, control the whole room that the tent's in. And then what happens is that's going to create a little bit of a vacuum. So at the bottom there, it's going to pull in, and I can see your humidifier. Either that's a humidifier or a printer, but I think it's a humidifier. <laughs> it's right, both, dude. Printer that is, humidifies. It's right down there. So it should, I like the way you've got that set up. That really should pull a lot of humidity into that tent. Yeah. As your plants mature, be thinking about CO2 if that bedroom door is closed a lot and, you know, how things, you know, what's going on in there with those levels. Yeah. So. Dude, if I yeah. seem excited, man, what? Colby from Extract Craft just walked in, man, with a big oh. giant box, man. It's, <laughs> a, what, it's the Evo. Is that what we got, man? Edo. So, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm learning here, man. I haven't even touched one yet. The Edo. But this thing's supposed to uh, process a lot of material, man. So I'm kind of excited. A whole uh, pound or something, I believe, right? Pound, man. I don't have a pound, man. My brother Trip might have a pound, but what do I know? What are the code words for pound? What you got, man? I got an elbow. Jeez. Elbow. Yeah, elbow. It's been a while. Use Gallon of milk. That was a good one. Elbow because it starts with E-L-B. I get it. Yeah, I guess. Hey. Oh, the classic... Hey. It's a been a unit. while. Let me get a unit. <laughs> One unit. <laughs> How many <laughs> units? All right. Awesome. Well, let's keep on rolling here. Get through the rest of this grow talk so you guys can process away. <clears throat> Deal. Come on. I'm going to shout out first. Optic Foliar ATAC, guys. Living up here in the Pacific Northwest, I've been told, watch out for that mildew, man. Um, the ATAC has just the slightest amount. I don't have a label in front of me, but of sulfur and copper. Not that you can, like, when you open it and smell it, you can get an RTU ready to use a liter or concentrate. Sure. No, no, that's what I want in my product. Like, I've used it in flower week seven and a half before, like, every third day I was spraying it to keep this mildew from getting into my flowers. It didn't affect the, affect the flower at all, and it doesn't have a smell. I can't have a product that's got, I spray them. I don't like spraying my flowers, but I'm definitely not spraying my flowers with a right. product that has, like, a, I'm afraid I'm going to have a scent change. So great product, guys. Dinesh has been an OG supporter of the Dude Grove Show uh, for quite a while. And there's a lot of cool products. Check them out. Number one, other than the ATAC, because that's if you have PM, is the transport. If you're spraying a neem, if you're spraying a kelp, hopefully you're mixing neem and kelp and some transport to get it into your mesophilic layer. Uh, very important process of it. And you don't have to shut off your lights because you'll forget sometimes to turn them back on like I've done. Wake up at 3 in the morning. Shit. I had to plug the lights back in. Damn it. And, <laughs> but check them out, guys. Aquafoyer, a lot of great products in his line and a full foyer feed chart as well. Only one doing it in the industry, man. Real cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Sorry, you got me stumped on this other one, man. I'm trying to look ahead at this next Grow Talk question. What? Is it the plague? Is it the plague? It could be the plague, man. I don't know. I like to call this a co-infection. <laughs> All right, this is my can of sewer. It goes, yo, GDC, I need help. I have searched the interwebs for similar problems with no results. It started on a few plants, and then it spread to almost all of them. I've tried sulfur spray and veg, and it seemed to work. And then it came back to other plants. I listened to a recent podcast where y'all talked about mites. It was, is it mites? Or did I smoke a cigarette in the room months ago? Is it mosaic? I had a dry night and wet days when my AC was down. Is it PM? So what we're looking at, guys, is pitchers, first pitcher. Kind of shitty growth, kind of deformed growth, kind of Way weird looking, shitty. right? PM in Way the bottom right-hand corner. Where, yeah, what? I do see powdery mildew on that bottom right-hand leaf right there on the two petioles. What do you call those? On the first picture? Yep. For, first picture, bottom right-hand corner, the leaf that's like crossing across it's, it. That looks like PM. That's it, it possibly. I will not confirm with that picture. What I see here, especially... Right away when I looked at this new growth and there's some clues. So this new growth is stunted, damaged, not looking right. And, sure. the, and he mentioned, he goes, I tried a sulfur spray and veg and it seemed to work. Broad mites hate sulfur. Um, and this to me, I think he has russets. Uh, the really? fact that he, he has damage, but he can't see anything because right. you need a 60 times scope or you got to be like a detective with 30 times. I can catch them with the 30 times, man. It's like a game. Yeah, this, but, this is not just PM right here. Oh, but. no. That, that, that's what <laughs> I said. So, I, I like to call this a co-infection. Right. 
this looks like there's like three, maybe four things that are going wrong. Right oh, now. I'm, I'm giving them and we're in mainly <laughs> could be tobacco uh, mosaic virus. And, boot, right? and, and, <laughs> and we're and we're in like what looks to be maybe week three of flower. Yeah. So, I, the way these plants look, yeah, I would call that. What's the kind of way I would call, call them? Yeah, I would call them, sir. Call them <laughs> respectfully. But I, I'm putting uh, most fire. of my bet here on broad mites because uh, I've seen that damage multitude of times. And in your description, they hate sulfur, and that's one way to treat them. But at this point in flower, I would, yeah, clean everything. But check them out. Actually, before you cut them and call them and do all that, educate yourself. Go get yourself a 60-time scope. Learn how to identify these things. Mm. Look at them, uh, you know. And then after that process, get rid of them. Burn your room down. No, I'm just kidding. Just make sure you do a thorough cleaning, though. Definitely. Yeah, I, I would I would treat this as like a, a learning experience just to – so now you know what broad mite – if you get the 60-times loop, confirm that they're broad mites – you know what broad mites look like, and you know what broad mite damage looks like. Um, How do we keep them from coming back? Pest management schemes. And, and it, uh, does he talk about any type of IPM he's doing? I don't think so. Doesn't seem uh, like it. Let's give him some future, uh, some, something to look forward to, man. So what's he do? I mean, are there beneficial predators he can use? Should he j just spray? Don't bring them into your growth. I mean, they come in one way or another, either usually on genetics. Got I got I got them from taking a cut into my grow. Um, but yeah, I mean, starting sterile or yeah, using, you're not going to go out and buy all these predators unless you know you have an issue because they're pretty damn expensive depending sure. on your setup. Sure. And especially if, if you're killing these plants, first thing to do is take care of your cultural practices. Get, get rid of all the plants out of there and disposed right. of. Clean the room with something pretty strong. I would go like a 10% bleach solution or something and wipe and, everything yeah, the, possibly down. The containers. If you're reusing. Um, and if you're like Scotty, get ready for them to come back. Well, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and be, be ready for them to come back. There's some stuff you can use. Uh, I'm trying to think of the, the Marone Bio Innovations products. And I know they're just getting harder and harder for like a home grower to get because you actually have to have uh, pesticide certifications to be able to buy them and use them. Yeah. Actually, yeah, we're slacking in the new year, guys. The Marone Bio Innovations, they have a product guru that they downsized – to a leader, I think they're feeling guys. This is a when Big Ag has some really cool bio products, but they only come like in a tote and shit. But they're realizing our industry is really interested in their products, so I think we're going to see a pretty good change in that um, in, in the future. But yeah, get ready for them to come back after you clean everything. When your plants are small, as I said earlier in the show, that's the best time to fully treat them with different sprays and make sure that you're good to go when you get. Usually by the time. I'm, you know, month into veg, I'm pretty confident that, okay, th these guys, they're gone. I'm going to keep scoping hard, uh, but don't bring shit back in. Don't go to your buddy's house and same clothes. Like just try and figure out how you brought them in in the first place too and eliminate that. Right. And I like the idea of finding somebody, if you're going to be a grower, um, find somebody that really understands predators for your area, for your humidity, for your humidity and, and, and climate, because it makes a difference. The same stuff that works in Florida doesn't work in, in California. Hmm, we got one more grow talk. Should we hit it? We got it? Last grow talk. Let's do it, man. All right, cool. Because Christmas, I got all the Christmas responsibilities coming up, man. Nice. I'm like the Grinch. I went to get a cold brew today, and the parking lot was all packed up and shit because people are off work and stuff. And I was just like, what is it? What the hell is everybody doing around here, man? Don't you have shit? homes? <laughs> like, oh, you're part of the problem, dude. All right, radical bags. Bad for cocoa? Question mark. Again, by AZ Cushman, what's up? He goes, what's up? From Arizona, growing in botanic air cocoa, clay balls, perlite. Look good. VV grow, VV grow LED. He goes, I've heard from other guys that in cocoa, the radical bags would cause more water usage due to their air drying the cocoa. So if you guys aren't familiar, radical bags are really porous bag. I believe they're PVC and they have all these like micro holes so the roots can breathe really well. And this is like something they would use in place of a fabric pot. So he goes, I'm in a five gallon nursery pots and I've had eyes on various bags at the stores for the last few grows. Um, so he goes, he uses botanic air newts and waters two times daily uh, and wants to know. So basically if you're going from nursery pots to a fabric pot or to radical bag or anything, you're gonna usually water a little bit more. This isn't a bad thing. I mean, it's just your, like your if, root, you, if you get an upgraded engine in your car, you're gonna burn more gas. Well, yeah, and you're having more of an air, more aeration around your root zone. You're going to have more performance because your roots aren't going to get root bound. 
And the only time that I've bitched about it, because I back in the day went to a fabric pot and I was so used to using nursery pots, but I was running a hot garden. Like I didn't have as much environmental control. My grow was getting to upper 80s or some and shit. You have the water all the time. I had the water all the time. But was he worried about is, water costing him a lot in Arizona? Wow, that's, that's interesting. Oh, is that what he says in the end of his question? His extra water usage costs, and I'm con concerned. Water is inexpensive. I don't want to sound like a spoiled American, but your water is inexpensive. So. Well, and he's in a, a grow tent here, but yeah, I have no idea what his situation is. Uh, but I would, you're, for the performance you're going to get and watering a little bit more, you should not be fearing this in a cocoa. I mean, I use peat cocoa mix in radical bags. I've used cocoa in radical bags. Um, you will be good to go and you will see performance in your root zone. I already see it in plants. I use one gal radical bags on some growing vines that I'm trying to get to flower in my house. And usually when I do, because I was plant sits in the same container for years and years and years and right. years. And sometimes when you take it out, you see the most amazing, crazy, big ass so root bound root thing at the yeah. bottom. But it's not happening with these guys. It air prunes the roots and they kick ass. So yeah, the air, air pruning, ju just what that means is, I didn't say real quick, is it stops. When the, when the root hits air, it stops growing. And then it starts growing these, what do we call them, tertiary? Tertiary branching starts to happen. And then when those hit one of those holes, you get an extra level of tertiary branching. And, and it just kind of... Continues on until you you just have a solid outward facing root mass. And the idea is you got all these much more like exponentially more root tips, and the the root tips are what absorbs the nutrients. And it's also really important for transplanting too, just because the way these bags work, they have outward facing root branching instead of any circling or anything. So there's less transplant shock when you go to transplant from these because the roots are just immediately able to grow out in all directions instead of having to kind of like get their bearings first before they start to grow out and you know what i was worried about like being a nursery pot grower sometimes when you want to you want to water in and have like the water you know stack up maybe a quarter inch and get a uniform watering and then just soak through nicely um sometimes i'd be worried about well there's one other pot i forgot the name of it out there that has really big holes and they sucked because the water would just go right out the side right so the surface tension of the squares on the the radical bags it's interesting like the water doesn't go through it creates this surface tension and it soaks in so that's really nice it's almost well. like shane knew what he was doing like he tested him a little bit man <laughs> i was gonna say he's a little bit smarter than he looks but that's kind of insulting that is I'll insulting man <laughs> You're a stereotyper, aren't you, man? No, he's a cool cat, man. He's always thinking about how to up the game for the grower. Uh, Garden Gear Supplies, if you want some radical, GardenGearSupply.com, if you want radical bait, guys. But with your dollars, coupon code, dude. My next grow, I'll be sporting my five gals. It took a while to get them up here since I'm in Canada now. Deal. Canada. It's not a bad thing. Let's get ready to wrap this, Biatch. Let's wrap it up, man. Can I show some You're, recharge love, man? Yeah, who's, who's slinging the recharge? Come on, Ann Arbor, Michigan. The Grow Show in Ann Arbor, Michigan is absolutely crushing it, man. Love those guys over there, man. You guys don't have access to a beautiful hydroponic facility, Amazon Prime, Real Growers Recharge. Hook it up, realgrowers.com. And you members, don't forget, 30% off recharge, as well as free seeds, some free seeds here now still, Five Patch Adams Auto CBD seeds, uh, as well as the benefits I'm working on trying to have a good giveaway. I'm in, talk, in talks. I make it sound like, ooh. Uh, my buddy over, Tommy, over at Hydro Farm, cool, cool, cool distributor. Um, we're talking about hooking up giveaways every month with some equipment as well. So I want to keep it rolling deep. I really want to get to 1,000 members in this year, guys. We're up to almost about 300. Got to keep that climbing and, uh, and focus on the content, being listener-supported. Deal. Yeah, and if you Australian DGC, I heard somebody in Australia wants to have us come out for a 2019 expo, man. That'd be dope. Yeah, I think I'd probably get arrested on the plane, though. I don't think I can handle, like, what is it, 18 hours on that plane? I'm just not, I'm just not big enough. I gotta, I gotta, the show's gotta be big enough to where it's like, Hey honey, I'm going to Australia. You can just stay here and hang out with like when my wife's still working. Have you mentioned that to your wife yet? Cause mine said, if you don't no. bring me with you, I will divorce you. I believe those no. were exact words. I did not. Oh, no, her exact words it. were, if you bring guru with you and not me, I will divorce you. Those were her exact words. <laughs> I kind of figured that was probably exact words. <laughs> If you guys didn't get what you want for Christmas, uh, DGC, Chieftain Supply, ChieftainSupply.com, DGC Collaboration. Our shirts are over there. If you want to get our, our hats, man, hit it up over at the DGC outlet at DudeGrows.com. But yeah. a couple cool shirts over at Chieftain Supply and DGC, I think it's DGC 10 or something, coupon code over there. Regardless, guys, let's wrap this. I want to say Merry Christmas to all the DGC and everybody hanging out. It's been a great year. It really has been an awesome year. 
And yeah, let's keep it rolling into the new year 2019 heavy. We'll be back shortly after the holidays, guys. Uh, go over to dogrows.com, hang out, say hi, check your grow problem, solve your grow problem, and stay high on Absolutely. Let's keep learning and making friends, all y'all. All right, you better get out of here. You got to go make a pound of extract somehow. Yeah, Our process of pound of flour. <laughs> that sounds great to me. Peace out, guys. Take your easy, all y'all. Some people love to blaze up the tank. Yeah, we get happy for noon. And when the boss says is to take a little break, that means we're lighting up a dude. It's just weed. It's just weed. I like to keep good buzz on, on, on. It's just weed. It's just weed. In my toolbox, there's a bone. Some people start their day off with a pill. To do. They shake their heads at natural medicine. Go ahead and try something new. It's just weed. It's just weed. I like to keep the good on. It's just weed. It's just weed. I like to smoke it out the Smoking weed, I ain't done nothing wrong, wrong, no. 